Hi, friends. Welcome back to With Great People, the podcast for high-performance teams. I'm Richard Kasparowski. Remember back when distributed teams were an esoteric experiment in human collaboration? Well, fast forward a few centuries, or maybe it's only been five months if you still mark time with the Julian calendar. Distributed teams have become the only way to work together. Many teams had to jump on this wagon with little or no preparation. In this episode, I talk with Mark Kilby, an agile Floridian who is a coach and mentor to distributed teams. Mark co-authored the book, From Chaos to Successful Distributed Agile Teams, with Johanna Rothman, and he's designed many online courses on the subject. He shares a few techniques that can help teams find shared vision, even when team members are hundreds or thousands of miles away from each other. To support this podcast, visit my website, kasparowski.com. With us today, we have Mark Kilby. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hello, Richard. Great to be here. <laughs> Great to see you. I, I love, uh, we, we both put on our podcast voice for that. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> I, I like to call it my theater voice. <laughs> well, Mark, will you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? <laughs> sure. And, I, and I'll try to do it in a normal voice. <laughs> uh, so, um, longtime Agile coach, even longer time working with all kinds of teams, including distributed teams before I work with Agile teams. And so I've always wrestled with that question of what does it mean to be face-to-face and collaborate well? So that's been my my work over, I'm afraid to say, the last 20 years. You know, I have the gray hairs to prove it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so working now in an organization that is fully distributed. So we all work out of our homes. and uh, it's a sizable engineering organization, about 130 people. I've lost count of the number of teams because we have three coaches now. I'm mm-hmm. one of those three coaches. But it's amazing how well it works. And, and that's been the fun part of the last six years of that journey. Wow. I, I want to hear more about these distributed teams. And yeah, I thought we might chat about that. Yeah. Let's just go there right now. What else? What else could you? What, you, what else? What else could you share about distributed teams? I, b- before we started recording, I, I shared a story about a distributed team I was working with, and we were talking about uh, using Zoom video conferencing and virtual backgrounds and how much fun that can be. Yeah. What, what, what's something interesting about these distributed teams that you've been working with as long as six years now? Yeah. Well, actually, so I've been working with distributed agile teams since about two thousand three. When um, I was first using Scrum at the time, I was very successful with some co-located teams. And then my management said, you know what? You're so successful. We want to give you this team in Philadelphia, but you have to stay in Orlando. Right. I went, oh, great. And, and at that point, I had to start figuring things out. How do I make this work? How do I get a sense of how are the teams working? Are they connecting with each other? Do they understand each other? And I've been working on that problem, like I said, for the last 20 years. You know, how right. do we... How do we make that work? So one of the things in, in the recent work of the last six years of that fully dispersed team, what I like to call a nebula team, because they're all out in space, man. That's why. So. <laughs> but one of the cool things is everybody has equal access that way. So there's not people in an office and those remote, because then you have that disparity of communication channels, right. which is always a problem. With our teams, we don't have that. But another thing that I think is important is giving people choice. So that starts right from the interviewing and recruiting stage. And so we let people know, you know, here's the environment you're coming into. And even if they've only 
worked remotely like once a month, once a week, we let them know this is very different. This yeah. is you not actually seeing your colleagues for months at a time unless you get comfortable with getting on video. And, and so we, we actually spent a lot of time in the interviews talking to them and not, not really selling them, but just seeing how do they react to that? How, do, how have they experienced remote? So choice is very important as, as part of that, building a great team, whether it's co-located or not, but especially remote. All right. Yeah. I love that. The idea of choice and, and this idea of um, parity, you said it as making sure there's no disparity between people. Yeah. in different contexts, um, yeah. like a bunch of people in a room together at the central office and one person remote. It's, it's a big challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I refer to as the satellite team because they're mm -hmm. sometimes far out in orbit and, and you want to bring them closer in. Um, right. and, and, some, and in some cases, there's non-tech solutions to that. So I think you've heard me talk about the buddy system approach to, to that one. Let's do that again. What is that? Yeah. So let's say you have a meeting in one of those satellite teams. You've got everybody huddled in a meeting room and you've got those one or two remote people. Mm -hmm. So what I tend to do is I'll ask the group in the room with me, hey, I'm kind of busy running the meeting for all of you. Could it be possible that since we've got two people remote, could two people here connect with them, watch out for them? connect with them on chat and just see, can they hear everything? Can they get their questions out there? If we're doing an activity, I want you to be kind of their proxy. And so that keeps those people very much aware of those that are not in the room. Yep. So there is still a connection. And I find that in many cases when I've done this, people will say, oh yeah, I know Joe, I know Mary, I'll, I'll connect with them. And even if they don't have a shared chat tool, you know, we've got these funny little devices called smartphones. <laughs> right. And most of the time, the other team members have have a way to connect with them that way. So just giving them the choice to connect and making sure there is connections, it's still not parity, but it's getting closer. And right. even when you have those those mixed or hybrid kind of teams. Yeah, I love this idea of the buddy system. It's it's super effective. I also love the metaphors you're using. First, first you said the the nebula organization and then, then satellite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then another pattern that I see often is what I call the cluster. Okay. Uh, so it's a, it's, it's a, it's a cluster of people on one location, a cluster of people on another location. And, and you, you have an entire team spread across these clusters and you can imagine where the communication defaults to just those locations uh -huh. and very little in between. So how do you equalize that? Yeah. Buddy systems, part of that, another, a uh, non-tech approach is having a co-pilot. So mm -hmm. the co-pilot is your co-facilitator or anybody who can kind of read the room. So if you're in a meeting, it's you know watching the body language, watching watching the facial expressions in your particular location. Right. They don't even have to be an experienced facilitator, but they do need to be able to know their that part of the team and say, and they might type a message in a in a side channel, a chat channel, say, uh, it looks like we're losing the crowd here. Maybe you mm -hmm. want to go back over those, some of those things you just covered on the backlog or whatever. Right. So, so having, having that idea of pairing, and if you have multiple locations, you're almost mobbing on the facilitation. You, so you've got multiple people helping hold the container for facilitation. I love this idea, a co-pilot for each cluster. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I use I, I like to use the metaphors because 
when I really started digging into this stuff, trying to remember what distributed versus dispersed versus virtual versus remote, it's like nobody uses those terms consistently. Right. All right, I've got to come up with a way for me to make sense of it. So that's that's why I use the metaphor. I, lo- I love it. I love it. And I was trying to echo you. You said distributed, but then I said virtual, and I and I knew yep. that wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. And and it doesn't even sound right. A virtual virtual sounds like it's not real, but it no, is. They're, they're, they're real, they're real team. teams. They're real teams. Yeah. I have lots of real teams that just happen to be spread out in different locations. Yeah. But they they communicate very well. They collaborate. They pair. They mob. They swarm mm-hmm. on the work. So. All right, let's transition to my next big question. So this is the, we've been talking about teams, uh, the teams you, you've been working with for the last um, 20 years and, and more recently at this company where you are. What I'd like to ask people about is the best team of their entire life that you've been a member of, right? This could be a work team. This could be a, a not work team. Any group of two or more people aligned with a common goal. What's the best team that you've been a member of in your entire life, Mark? You know, you warned me about this question and it's still tough <laughs> to pick that <laughs> one. So many great teams that I've worked with in, in all unique and different ways, but, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to take your example of the family. I'll put it that way because I sort of use that one. So I'm going to pick another example, a group of us in Florida that have each kind of grew grew our own local user groups. So Agile Orlando and Tampa Bay and South Florida. There's some others now popping up. And um, we started reaching out to each other just to share ideas. And then we said, hey, would it be great to, to have a conference together? But we wanted something a little different. And so we went with more of an open space approach where the people gathered can really choose and drive the conversations. What is amazing about that team, that organizing team, we're, we, we're planning our seventh year now, is sometimes we don't even have to meet. We've, we've, we're so focused on how do we bring people together across the state? How do we bring this community together? How do they share what they've learned? How do they share their struggles? And how do we, how do we set up opportunities for them to take that outside of the event and start new things. So, mm-hmm. so new groups have started, new initiatives have started out of this. But the, the thing I like is my, myself and my two co-founders, Stephanie Davis and, and Ryan Durrell, as we started this, we are just so focused on that goal of bringing the community together, have the community share that there's been some years we've hardly met because we can coordinate everything through Slack. So we have our own Slack channels and we can quickly bring the conference together. We even had that when we had a venue fall through two and a half months to go, I think. And we quickly scrambled, we coordinated and we pulled together a new venue and we've actually been, we like that venue so much. We've been there three years now, nice. but it's just, it's just amazing how quickly we react and pull together as we look at, okay, what's something new we can do to bring the community together. And it's, it's been just one of the most awesome teams really. And we rarely see each other. Yeah, because they're in Tampa. I'm in Orlando. We have a volunteer team that's literally spread across the state of about 30 people, and we we rotate some in and out each year. We have a great process to integrate them into the decision making. It, it's and it just it's a it's a new team every time, but it still has a lot of the same characteristics. And the thing that gets people excited about volunteering is it's usually 
the first time they've attended the conference and they go, I never knew a conference could be like this. How can I help? Nice. And that's the, that's the entrance. <laughs> that's the entrance fee essentially for, for becoming a volunteer. <laughs> it's like, you got it. You understand exactly what we're trying to go for. All right. This sounds like a really great team. And, and yeah. a lot of the things you described about it are, are unusual and interesting. Yeah. Like it is a distributed team. There's yep. three core members and there's yep. a lot of dynamic members of the team. Yeah. It's also kind of cyclical, right? Because it's organized mm-hmm. around putting on this annual conference. It's a little bit of a team in the past. It's a little bit of a team in the present. When you're with this team, or if you took yourself back to one instance of the team, what does it feel like? What's, what does it feel like within you? What's the sensation of being part of that team? And could you summarize that sensation in one word? What would that one word be? This, this might sound, well, actually, I'm not sure how, how it'll sound, but I, I would say gestalt. It's, it's greater than the whole. Oh, cool. uh, so it's not just the conference that we talk about, but we'll talk about other events coming into the state. We'll talk about how we can coordinate on that. We've dealt with some challenges. So we've, we've had trolls in our cyber community come in and we've had to deal with that. But the way we quickly coordinate, we, we realize it's nobody doing this alone. It's, it's nobody having to to build it or make it happen alone. It's you've got people you can reach out to at any time to bring the community together and resolve whatever it is or move forward, whatever it is that the community is focusing on. So gestalt. Yeah. We define gestalt a little more. This is one of those words that I have trouble understanding. I, I, I try to look it up in the dictionary. Sometimes it's not in the dictionary because it's yeah. sort of an English word, sort of not. Yeah. What, what does gestalt mean for you? It's really you're you're part of something bigger it's something you can't possibly imagine achieving on your own and and the funny thing is one of my former companies was called gestalt okay and and that was some other teams i was thinking of because there was a lot of great teams including the executive team which i had an opportunity to work with and they always faced the challenges together they knew they were stronger together it wasn't anybody going off and battling the dragon on their own, so to speak, whatever popped up. So it's that understanding that whatever opportunity or challenge comes up, this team can handle it. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll take it on. They'll do well. You know, tales will be told. You know, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can use the, the onstage voice again. Tales will be told. <laughs> told. Yeah. But, but it's really, so, so for instance, those folks from Gestalt, I haven't worked with them in over 10 years, but I'm still in touch with many of them. So it's just connections that have, have lasted because we also respect each other. We respect abilities. We respect how we, how we worked as team members. And, um, you know, some will still reach out to me and say, hey, would you mind reviewing this with me real quick? So in a way, we're still kind of a team, even though we're not yeah. working together. Yeah. I ask enough people these sorts of questions that I start to hear things that are patterns and themes. And these are some of the themes. We're still in touch with many of them. Yeah. And there was a lot of respect. So these are beautiful things. Yeah. And you and I, having worked with so many different organizations and teams, it's kind of disheartening when you realize somebody doesn't have that experience it's like all right how can we 
you know, how can we make that experience happen for you? Because it's, it's, it's awesome because you know, this team can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dig deeper into the experience a little bit and then we'll get into how we could help other people get there yeah. for themselves. Actually you pick, it could be, it could be the, 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 the Gestalt team, the, the company, or it mm. could be this team, the conference organizers that are in this state of Gestalt together. Mm-hmm. How do you know? Pick one of them. How do you know that it was a great team? Either subjectively, just the the, the feelings you had while you're doing the work together, or objectively, uh, what are some things that an an outside observer would notice? I think Im- immediately it's a shared vision of how we want to work together. You know, really how we want to be together. So I recall some of my early conversations with, with Stephanie and Ryan when we first started talking about organizing. Agile Florida. We weren't looking at setting up a nonprofit organization. We weren't, you know, we weren't worried about any of the administrivia. It was more about we're doing some interesting things. We we know that each of our local communities can benefit from sharing. How do we bring everyone together? So we we have that common vision. And what's the way an outsider can see it, and I've seen many cases of this with with that particular team, that Agile Florida team. If somebody walked up to any of the three of us and asked a question about what's next or how does this work, you would probably get a similar answer because we have that shared framework, that shared vision of how are we always bringing the community together mm-hmm. to learn, to teach, to, to accomplish challenges. I like that. That's very objective. Ask, ask anybody on the team and, and you get the same answer. Yeah, or similar. So yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be the same. We're, we're, we don't want we don't want robots. So yeah, well, and 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 you probably trust each other. Whatever the answer was, yeah. that that's the right answer. Yeah, yeah. What are three concrete behaviors that you you have used or you currently use on this team that go into it's being such a great team? Mm, yeah. So I would say you know if you've got that shared vision, trusting that people are are always working to their strengths to fulfill that vision. Also trusting that people will reach out for help when they're they're struggling and that others are there to provide that help. So I emphasize that with every team that I work with. A team is not micro silos. You're a team, you're focused together on doing great things together. So how do you, how can you do that better? How can you leverage each other's strengths? How can you be aware of each other's weaknesses so you know how to, to jump in even sometimes before somebody asks? What's one of those tools that you use to, to get people to be mutually aware of each other's strengths? So I wish I knew about your team transformation canvas earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's going in the toolkit. Oh, cool. Because uh, that, is, that is very much aligned with some of the things that I tend to coach. Uh-huh. But I've, I've tried many things over the years. So I've tried Myers-Briggs. I've, I've tried DISC. I'm still a big fan of Strength Finder. But the challenge is most people don't know what to do with that information that you get out of those kind of assessments. And they don't know how to make the team work based on that, unless you've got some expert. Mm-hmm. There's others, especially for distributed teams that are online, that can kind of help form that shared vision and help establish working agreements. 
But sometimes I find that simple exercises very early in the team's formation can help with that. So one that I like, and we've, we even put it in the book, is come, it, it's called the compass activity. And it's very simple. You, you could do this in a room with everybody, or you can do this online in a shared document, but making sure that if you do it online, that everybody can move things around in that document. So typically what we, we start with is a compass diagram with explanations of, okay, so this diagram is an example of where people might tend to move into action first. So, so north is, I like to just jump into action. I want the team to move. I don't, wanna, I don't want us to sit and debate anything. South is, I really want to get everybody's input before we move forward on this. East is... I think we need the big picture before the team moves forward. And West is, we need all the details before we move forward. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is, if I'm doing it online, is I'll grab the avatars out of chat or email or whatever tool they're using. It's how do people tend to recognize them online? So whatever image they use for that, and I don't care what it is, just as long as their team knows who it is. And I'll say, okay, move your avatar to the compass point that typically represents how you act. And then they step back and they, they look at where do people put themselves and where are they in relationship to each other? And that's where you hear the ahas. They go, oh, now I see why Tom gets so upset with us when we're debating how to do this because he's in the North <laughs> or, or, or things like that. And there's actually a series of debrief questions with the exercise nice. just to look at, you know, how do you let people know about where you are on the compass and how you prefer to work? How do you work with others? When do you not work well with others on other parts of the compass? And what can you do to mitigate that? And so that helps them start exploring, okay, we really need some working agreements around this. Now we see why we have to do this. You can run that in 30 minutes. You can run that in 90 minutes. I've run repeat sessions with teams that say, hey, you know, seems like the dynamics have changed. There's something we haven't discovered. Can we run that one again? Yep. There, there's, some, there's some other ones like that, but that's... That's a sort of a favorite one that a lot of my teams seem to enjoy. I love that. And, and I, I would be that person at the north end of the compass getting frustrated with that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm typically at the south, so I'll tell them, yeah, like, yeah. you're probably going to get really impatient with me because I'm going to wait till I get everybody's <laughs> input on this exercise. <laughs> and so they laugh like that when I tell them. Yeah, that. I, I look back at, at myself and my behaviors with some of the teams I've been part of and, and becoming frustrated that we can't just go and do it. And just do it, yeah. <laughs> Um, and you said this is in the book. Tell us about the book. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so I had this wonderful opportunity to pair write as a distributed team with Johanna Rothman. We released the print version in uh, April of uh, 2019. The ebook version has actually been out sooner than that on LeanPub, but now we have it on Amazon and many others. Mm -hmm. And there's there's more to come around that, but. The the book title is, of the book. Yep. The book is entitled From Chaos to Successful Distributed Agile Teams. Right. Because most people who experience distributed teams feel like this is insane, this will not work. And that's not our experience. So both Johanna and I have worked with many distributed teams. And so we we looked at, you know, where have we seen success? And that's essentially what the book covers. We talk about some of the distributed team types, satellite. Nebula cluster, some other types of teams that people might encounter. We we talk about 
what's really the problem, it's not time zones. There's another way to look at that. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we talk about communications, setting up your virtual workspace, setting up your personal workspace as well. We finally talk about process in chapter nine, which probably most people go, why do you wait so late? Because you have to think about all those other things first. And then we talk about hiring and what we refer to as integration. Some would say onboarding. And we also talk about the important role of leadership in establishing these, these environments. Nice. It's definitely a book I'm going to check out. I, I, I want to say I'm going to crack it open, but I'm going to read it electronically. I don't know what you say electronically. It's like I'm going to crack uh, that book open. <laughs> I don't know. Slice it open? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, about, how about some advice for listeners? Uh, the success of this Agile Florida conference organizing team. What could, what could listeners do to re reproduce some of this team's success? So I, I can't emphasize the, the, enough the importance of a shared vision. So you've always got a core set of members that have that, they're the vision keepers, but if they're not sharing that vision out to the broader team or whoever the team is interacting with, that gets lost. So you've got to spend time, you've got to keep repeating that vision until you start hearing it getting echoed back and say, okay, people have it now. Because that allows you to let go of many different things. You don't have to micromanage. You don't have to track every detail. You don't have to plan out every task. You just say, hey, we need this done, can some of you pair up? So that's another thing is not just have one person go and tackle something, but can you pair up so you get different perspectives on the work? And also, especially if it's a team, like a volunteer team, which those are, if somebody has to drop out for some reason, there's still somebody there that can carry on that particular task. But that works very well in, in our other teams, mm -hmm. having that ability. So having a vision, having, having a way to pair and collaborate together, I find it works very well. And also the, the last thing uh, is emphasizing that idea of choice. So do the teams have a choice of how they work? Do they have a choice of when they work? So giving them that choice gives them a lot of power and creativity on getting to the goal. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Sure. So Johanna and I have continue to be busy on the work of the book. We are working on online courses. So if people want to dive deeper with Johanna and I online, I uh, can certainly check uh, my website or, or hers. And what's and, your uh, website? Ah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so my website is markkilby.com, two Ks in the middle there. All right. Is there any, anything else listeners can do if they, if they want a way to get in touch with you? Um, I'm also on, on social media, uh, Twitter and LinkedIn are best. On Twitter, it's mkilby, M-K-I-L-B-Y. And LinkedIn, just search for me. I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm active on both those platforms. All right. Well, Mark Kilby, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been super fun. I'm so glad we've, we finally got a chance to do this. <laughs> me too. Thanks so much. Thanks. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening. And remember, to support this podcast, sign up for my newsletter at kasparowski.com.